0: What is the latest everyone and welcome back to another episode of the in the paint show presented by ball is life Ronnie Flores and Devin Oogland here with you for another Episode of our famous or infamous in the paint show Ronnie We're gonna break down a handful of uh, basketball things today Olympic basketball is first then we're gonna talk NBA draft winners and losers Then we're gonna go to your favorite topic NBA free agency Ronnie. Let's start with Olympic basketball last night uh, or was it early this morning? I can't even, I don't I mean, even know. Those games yeah. yeah. I, I watched the USA, Australia game, uh semifinal game because my friend shout out to Travis Augustine down in San Diego gave me his login information to Peacock so I could watch that live stream of that game. Um, and then obviously the U S beat Australia with the little second half, you know, surge come back uh, to reach the final. And then I was probably sleeping during the Slovenia and France, France game. Yeah, yeah, where Luka Doncic had a triple double, but it wasn't enough uh, as, as um, France won by one, 90 to 89. Yeah. And it was uh, a Nick Batum block that sealed the deal at the end of the game. Uh, Ronnie, it's going to be a competitive final. We know that because sure, the yeah. U.S. and France have already played and France beat them in pool play or, or some. Was it, or was it an exhibition game? Yeah.
1: I mean, I who knows? Because it's not like we're all watching the Peacock stream network. I mean, like,
0: who yeah, cares? there's not much access to watching these games or even knowing when the games are going on. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be competitive, obviously, because two good teams with NBA caliber players. Sure. But is the U.S. in a no-win situation going into this game?
1: I think so, Devin. They're in a no-win situation because I watch a little bit of Australia again, mainly because – not because it was a great telecast and I could find it and put it on the TV because I was hearing that they were down. And I was like, Oh, everybody was like, This is the end of the world. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, let, let me check this out. And and everybody's writing Popovich in, in, in a in sense, you know, the Twitter world, you know, turns on people in 10 minutes, as we know. It's like, and then in the next day they're praising them. But what I got out of it when I started turning it on is right when the, the halftime, and then you go into the second half and it just looks like U.S. can turn it when they want. I saw Australia. I didn't see a team that I thought was anywhere near the U.S. in terms of ability. They had uh, Patty Mills, who, you know, can hit a shot and make some plays. But, like, two or three of their starters were not in the same planet as USA's players. So, yeah, it kind of puts them in a tough position because if they win, eh, you know, it's kind of like they're supposed to win. And if they lose, it's like, oh, USA basketball. Is you know, um, oh, we don't develop good, it's the AU coach's fault, it's the high school coach's fault. Then the blame game starts. Like, eh, oh, it's all these little events that are on the weekends. It's like, and when I'm looking at it, I'm like, USA players are still clearly way better than most of these countries, way better. And yeah. they're not even this Australia's not even in the same planet as Team USA right now. Not that I not what I saw. USA just put it on them when they wanted to, basically. Right. Yeah, and that like it goes back to is a no win situation because it makes them look bad. They're playing eighty percent, seventy five percent, and then they just turn it on.
0: Yeah, they they fell into like a fifteen point hole, and yeah. you can see on social media people starting to be like losing it. Oh, yeah. there's no way that they're gonna come back. This is horrible. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And then all of, all of a sudden, yeah. KD goes crazy, and Devin yeah. Booker starts knocking down shots, and then you see you really see the talent gap from the top yeah. to the bottom on those teams, right? Yeah. I mean. The late, I mean, the, uh, the USA, USA team's bench guys who didn't even play are probably, you know, high level starters on that Australia team. Yeah. Um, Well, I
1: saw them jump into the key and make a couple moves down when they were down 15, one or two players did not know what to do with the ball and did not want the ball. They're like, get, let me get rid of this ball as soon as I can. They just, they don't have the talent level. This is plain and simple
0: for sure. And I think the the biggest difference in why the U S has struggled in the first couple of games or even struggled into the semifinals is because the rule differentials from the NBA to FIBA play. Yeah. Um, it's more like, you know, there's no three second defense. So the lane is yeah. more clogged. You can, you yeah. can get away with more, you know, physicality on the, on, on the ball and physicality yeah. inside and the refs yeah. are a little bit more loose and you're not able to draw those, you know, James Harden, yeah. Trey Young, you know, yeah. fouls where you lean in. From and, the back or from and the, the side. And hit somebody right. They're trying yeah. to, you know, yeah. FIBA gets rid of those type of plays, the non-basketball yeah. plays. So as they've gotten more used to that, and again, you have guys like Devin Booker and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday who just finished the NBA Finals flying yeah, across the world to play in, in Tokyo in the Olympics. And, Against a team
1: that's like been waiting their whole life for, for this sure. game. Yeah, right. Like- in terms of pride for their country, I mean, it's still a big deal to play Team USA. I mean, that's no no secret,
0: you know? It is, right. They're trying yeah. to – these guys are hungry. A lot yeah. of them are trying to prove that they could play or earn a contract somewhere, right. whether oh, yeah. it's overseas or in the NBA, like a guy like Dante Exum. Um, yeah. Patty Mills, obviously, he signed with uh, the Brooklyn Nets recently in free agency. But you have a lot of these guys, you go down to, you know, other teams, whether it's uh, – France or Nigeria or any of these other teams, they're hungry. They have guys who are trying, who are playing for something, not only playing for their country and trying to upset, you know, the world power of the U S but also trying to show an overseas, you know, program franchise or an NBA franchise that they can be a viable option for them. So yeah, the, your, your next little point here, Ronnie is, is how close the rest of the world is to the U S overstated for sure. It's overstated. It's like Overrated. the talent it's gap just is nice just crazy.
1: It's nice stories to say, you know. Yeah. So we lost in 2004. We were, you know, we we, we didn't have a good chemistry. It's okay. I I mean, I I go back to the point that, obviously, because we're going to talk about the NBA draft, especially in a a year where there's Olympics, I would love to see the Olympics play a big part in that evaluation. You know, like how the evaluation of a draft, because I think it would be awesome if they had a real tryout get guys in there who really deserve it. Not that the 12 guys on the team don't deserve, but they just pick them. That's not, you know, that that's not the same as them trying out. Now, yeah. some of them might still all make it. Like, I'm sure Kevin Durant would still be a nice pick to, to make the, the team, but it's still to try out. So they maybe get one or two guys that would fit in and make the team better and a little more with a little more chemistry. So it would be awesome to see, like, you know, Jalen Suggs, Kate Cunningham, Mobley, try out. Maybe even throw a Chad Holmgren. Hey kid, get in there, try your best. It's just again, like you said, it would make it similar to the Australians or to the other countries that I want to give my all here because I know I'm getting evaluated, and I want to get in the NBA or I want to show that I'm a long term NBA player that I'm deserving. Sure. That would be, you know. And then if you get cut, you know that that that's great. Like you know, the greatest amateur team or one of the greatest amateur teams, the '84 team. Had Jordan, um, you know Patrick Ewing, in that group that won gold in Los Angeles, Uh, you could go back and look. A lot of the guys who got cut in that trial, it really helped them, and a lot of great players got cut. But it was a great experience for them, you know. Um, So I think that would, I I think that would be better. Uh, So you know, and I know it would be difficult. It might be some time constraints to that, but in a normal year without COVID, I think that would be the way to go. It would just make the whole process a lot better, and it would make this. Lose lose situation from the US, uh, kind of ease on it, you know. They kind of like, Oh, we're you're picking 12 stars, oh, they're just playing like going through the motions. And then if they lose, it's the world comes in. And if they win, oh, they're supposed to win, they're the best players in the world.
0: So you're you're kind of saying maybe throw away that dream team model where it's just all selection based with the Correct. committee. And what now would I think that's that'd be a solid idea. I think maybe, you know, how many roster spots are there? 15. Yeah. Fifteen yeah. roster spots. Yeah. Maybe you maybe you have like seven of them, like selection spots, and then the other eight yeah. go to a tryout, and you know bring bring some guys in, college guys, younger players. Invite say hey, we're inviting ten
1: high school players. We're inviting ten um, G League or ten professionals, and and twenty NBA players, something like that. Some some ratio, you know. So the the um, whole those idea guys would get cut and. The guys that are not as good would get cut, but it would be a great experience for them. Yeah, that whole point. You know kind I mean? of more
0: of a kind of more of a, a development type of situation right. and, and preparing and guys for international play. I'm with that. Uh, yeah. The dream team model was really like because the rest of the world was playing their pros while we were playing our amateurs, right? And they're like, yeah. "Screw this! We were, we were losing, or you know, we won in '84. Obviously, the U.S. We won '84. Yeah, we and won lost 88. in '88. Yeah, and then '92 was the first dream team. Correct? In my, is like, my timeline?
1: Yeah. In in Barcelona, and I think like honestly, I thought then that it like proved the point. Like right, is, right, right. Like you could go back to college now, or to like a developmental team. Like it's okay, because I remember the '94 World Championships. Devin it was nothing like the '92 um, Dream Team. I remember the press was just like, "Oh, Derek Coleman is a knucklehead. Sean Campus is just grabbing his nuts after every dunk." <laughs> it just had a totally different vibe to it. Like right. It was kind of long, those oh, all these guys are pampered. Uh, they're supposed to win. It wasn't, it didn't have the same feel as the dream team where everybody loved to see them, everybody, the world was inspired by them. It just it just didn't have the same feel. It was a, a group of pros, and it, I knew it was going to get like that. Like, okay, if they keep sending these pros, it's going to be continue to be like, oh, these guys are high paid stars, they're not like other Olympians, blah blah. I mean, we can go on and on with what they say, we, we know what they said. I thought the 2018 where they, you know they had a a great final win was was a, uh, a good moment in USA basketball, but that's been what two moments in thirty years, like the rest of the moments have been, forgettable and like forgettable games. Let's just be <laughs> yeah.
0: Honest. Right? Yeah. yeah. To, to bring it close to the Olympic basketball thing, Ronnie. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they lose to France, they're in a situation where it's like, oh, this team was terrible. Pop is a yeah. terrible coach. He shouldn't have Pop coached that again. team
1: correct oh he's out of touch he can't coach the yeah. same player you're gonna have all kind of crap when it's just like no that's not because they're not a team they didn't practice much together they're coming off a elongated nBA season which was already elongated by the bubble yeah, a year it was shortened and,
0: short and, and elongated at the same yeah. time
1: yeah so it's like no that's not it they didn't they didn't have a team that was built as a team they just had right. guys they just do it together yeah it would you know sometimes you need a Draymond Green's like a great pick, like that type of player. Or like maybe there's another guy who's in the G League that would be a great help on a team mm-hmm. like that. Would just bust his ass and come off the bench. And maybe a guy like Evan Mobley or Cade Cunningham would be, hey, i coach put me in there for two minutes, balls to the wall, defend my ass off. Like that's yeah. what, you you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, mm-hmm. I'm just throwing names out there. I'm not saying those guys would be on the team, but I, I just think you he would help. And it would be a great evaluation tool. I think if you ask our guy, Frank Burleson, he'll tell you that, the 84 Olympics tryouts in Los Angeles were like some of the best basketball he's ever evaluated because it was like they had two high school players, Delray Brooks, Danny Manning, who were coming into college. They had a group, big crop of college players and then the guys who were going to the NBA and it was just like great basketball. And obviously they were a great team because they they tried out and Bobby Knight put together a fucking team.
0: And Bobby know? Knight was a coach and no one could, yeah. no one yeah. could, uh, could, yeah. uh, you know, play lazily or or Yeah, polarizing. yeah, like he
1: got yeah, he got a lot out of it and I think there's that famous clip out there that somebody interviewed him and he's like, "Dude, this guy Jordan is on another level. I don't know what Dean Smith was doing, but like this guy's ridiculously good. Like he has it all, you know." So again, that I just think it's good evaluation. So
0: Yeah, for sure. And that that's a good point to end on. Um let's move into our NBA draft coverage. Ronnie, we did a full uh I guess it was like an hour before preview and then all the way through the lottery, pick for number 14. So we had fun yeah. with that. You guys can go check it out. Um, I'm cutting it up and we're gonna put it back up on YouTube. You can check out how right we were, or how wrong we were, and you know, let us know about it. But let's yeah, let's shout jump out in. to our guests yeah.
1: and to the people come on. Thank you, Rashid Wallace, NBA champion. He has a on the Ball's Eye Podcast Network, him and Bonzi Wells have their own podcast, Let's Get Technical. Make sure you guys check that out. Whenever you get a chance, when you're on the Balls Like Network, checking out In the Pain and, and our other Buckets and Breakdowns, definitely check out Let's Get Technical.
0: Yeah, and we had Thomas Scott on from Buckets and Breakdowns, and we had uh, Onyeko Okongwu from the Atlanta Hawks, and our, our other guest was Jeremy Wu, the Sports Illustrated draft expert. We appreciate them coming on. Ryan, let's jump into winners first here. We're going to do winners and losers. Let's be nice first and jump into winners. Go ahead and go with yours, and then I'll jump into mine.
1: Gotcha. Uh, I think I'm on the board with a lot of people with that fourth, fifth pick, which was like, okay, is is the fourth pick really going to be Scotty Barnes, out of Florida State? And when the fifth pick went dropped and he was in Orlando, was able to get Jalen Suggs. I I just think that's a win with a guy with his size, true point guard, durability, strong athlete. You know, played football as a leader. I think that's. Uh, really a blessing for them, for them to draw, hit a drop at number five. And then they picked up Franz Wagner a, a few picks later. And he's a good defender. Both those guys are getting, uh, you know, both those guys really can can defend. So I think just getting the talent level of Suggs and, and, and got two guys who want to defend, I think Orlando uh, was definitely the big winner on, on draft night from their position, the okay. fifth position.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on Orlando. That's one of mine that I have on my on our list here. Um, I think uh, you know, and,
1: most people are gonna have that there. Yeah, you know. I
0: think I think it was just by default based on the Raptors picking Scotty Barnes and then Suggs falling into their lap. You look at that roster and it's a full rebuild there in Orlando. Full rebuild. Jonathan Isaac is kind of their, you know, guy they're trying to build around, but he's been suffered, you know, been, been battling injuries for the la- you know, ever since he's been in the NBA.
1: And nothing against Jonathan is Isaac. No, if you're no, building
0: you Jonathan Isaac, you're rebuilding. Yeah, right. And yeah, you, you know what at, I mean? You look at the other guards on that roster, Markel Fultz, obviously the number one pick that was traded from Philadelphia and he struggled with the shot, struggled with injuries as well. He tore, you know, something in his knee recently. I mean, used to go bad for Markel yeah, he Fultz. He had the
1: shoulder issue, he had the kind of like the mechanical issue. I mean, that was a big I know he's kind of gotten over it a little bit. He's athletic, but man, that was a big thing that for Philadelphia cuz they could have got another good player in that draft.
0: Yep. Yeah, and then- they're
1: trying to build a championship with, you know, Embiid and Simmons. They could have had something that gave them a lot more than Mark Caulvotes did.
0: For sure. So and then and then you have RJ Hampton who came over from Denver in the trade for Aaron Gordon. And you have yep. Michael Carter Williams kind of just as a I guess a a stopgap, you know, guy who can come in and give you decent minutes at the point guard spot. So Cole Anthony had a really good rookie season. I think I thought he he outperformed what a lot of people thought he was going to do, and bringing in Jalen you know, Suggs, yeah, bringing in Jalen Suggs, a guy who is NBA ready from a, a body standpoint and you know likely a game standpoint, just because he's ready for that physical nature of you know finishing over big men in the NBA. It's going to push guys like Fulton Hampton to get better fast or be out. Right. So just based on on getting. Jalen Suggs at five and then adding Franz Wagner, who can spread the floor a little bit skilled. Um, I think that's why I have Orlando in, in a winner spot. And then my other winner will be the Charlotte Hornets. Um, the big winners of the 2020 draft, getting LaMelo Ball, obviously. They added James Boonight from UConn, who's kind of like a certified NBA level scorer. And then they they, you know, at the same time, Malik Monk is gone in free agency, so they kind of replaced Malik Monk with James Boonight, a younger, probably better overall all-around scorer than Malik Monk is. And then you add Kai Jones out of Texas, the 6'11", you know, power forward center, who's just like a high-flying, versatile, you know, uh, you know rim protector, rebounder, run the floor and finish. And that gives LaMelo Ball another lob guy to throw to instead of Miles Bridges. So you add, you add James Boonight to LaMelo Ball and Kai Jones into that mix as well. And you have a, a you know a really solid NBA roster of young talent that can grow together. So we'll see how that goes. Um in Charlotte. But right? I think they, they did a really nice job. Uh, let's go into the losers, Ronnie, who is your first loser?
1: Yeah, the guy the, the team that has a lot to to deal with or I thought it's right at the top. Um Let's just go with the Houston Rockets because it seemed like Detroit was going to take "quote unquote" the safe pick, which is Cade Cunningham out of uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. So when you draft Draylen Green, that's fine. I, you know that's he's the number two pick. Most people thought he was going to be the number two pick, but then later in the first round you draft draft Josh Christopher. So you also had you know the pick before that you know Usman Garuba. So when you get to that pick, you're the worst team in the NBA. And you you have a lot to get better at, like historically bad. You were at times historically bad last year. So if you get Jalen Green, I just don't understand why you're getting Josh Christopher. Like maybe the similar size, tall, they're kind of similar positions. Jalen can play on the, you know, a little bit of point guard. They're both shooting guards. They're not huge shooting guards. Um, they both got to do a lot. You got to get better defense. You got to get better all around. So you in essence got the one player who's kind of similar, not as explosive, but just 20 picks later. It's not a bad pick, but I just don't understand. If you would have got Evan Mobley and Josh Christopher, then I would have said, okay, yeah, I see what you're doing here. You know, I, I don't know what, like you needed to get better. With older players, if you have that many picks, you need to get better all around, not just not just kind of build like okay, we're gonna this is gonna be a two or three four year project. Like you need to get better at a bunch of different positions, and you only got better at one shooting guard. Like that's what I just got. To at. <laughs> you know, like it's no problem taking Green. And then again, when you take that group of players, you better be hundred percent sure that you think Green's gonna be better than Mobley. And that's okay if that's what you feel. And great draft Green. You know, yeah. like, no problem. But if, if, if he's not, then you're going to really be looking like, what do we get these two guards for? So that, that, that yeah. would be my
0: question. I'm with you mark. I, ha- I have them in a the little jury still out that I'll get into yeah. here soon. But uh, my first loser is the Raptors, Ronnie. Um, I-, I thought it was pretty cut and dry who Toronto should have picked. And-, and that pick was Jalen Suggs, kind of because Kyle Lowry was obviously on his way out. And then you can bring in Suggs and kind of replace that right away you replace what you lose from Kyle Lowry with a bigger, potentially better version of Kyle Lowry, right? Yeah. Uh, but instead they picked Scotty Barnes, kind of the first, you know, little surprise of the draft. Picked him four out of Florida State. He was the ACC sixth man of the year. Obviously, Ronnie, we, we've seen him at the high school level and the college level. Very talented, energetic, uh, leadership-oriented guy. But you add him to that roster, which already features Pascal Siakam as your best all-around player, and you're basically just adding a less-skilled Pascal Siakam to your roster, a younger, less-skilled version of Siakam, to the roster instead of adding a replacement for your All-NBA point guard with a potential yeah. future All-NBA point guard. I just don't see where they're coming with that because Scotty Barnes has a lot of offensive tools that he needs to fix. Especially from the three-point line, he he really needs to improve as a shooter, or else he's a he's a, he's a he's a liability on that end of the floor. He's you know Draymond Green two So yeah, it, it, to your point with with Houston, you know, adding two shooting guards in the draft, the Raptors just basically have two foremen who play the same exact position, one who's less skilled than the other, um, and that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Second, go ahead. I'm go ahead. sorry
1: to cut you off, but. To your point, it seems like in this free agency where we'll talk about it in a little while, shooters got paid the best and the most. You know, guys who can really knock the ball, sh- knock the perimeter shot down, that's just where the NBA is at right now. Uh, so at four you draft, the guy who has the biggest question mark about his shooting. I thought if somehow the Rockets can trade down, get green, and somehow get Scotty Barnes with some of the, their packages of picks, that would have been awesome for them. Yeah. You know, but like you said, at four, you go with Scotty Warren's boy. If he doesn't improve his shooting, like, uh, you know, pretty well and pans out, they're going to be looking at it like, dang, how did you guys not see that? Or how did you not miss? Not saying that he can't because it might work out, but if it doesn't, it's not like it was a weakness that was easily overlooked. Like that weakness was right in your face.
0: Oh, yeah. It's that weakness, the shooting weakness was glaring. I know he brings a lot of things to the court with intangibles, with oh, yeah. energy, with leadership, with kind of point-forward skill. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's a very, very capable player. But with a, a sub-30% three-point shooter, um, you know, at 6'8", six, six, ish maybe, and then you add him to a Raptors roster, like I said earlier, that already features Siakam, uh, I just don't see how that all fits. In that, in the sign-and-trade, with Miami for um, Kyle Lowry, they addressed a point guard need with Goran Dragic, who's a very good player, um, very, you know, productive NBA player over the course of his career. But he's he's old, he's older. Wouldn't he's you older, rather man. add a young point guard, um, you know, one year out of college who has proven that he could be a high level player in, in big game situations with Jalen Suggs? That's that's what I would go for. But, sure. you know, yeah, it took Bond to see how right it works out. Yeah. My second loser, Ronnie, the Golden State Warriors. So, this whole time, man, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they want to get back into contention in the Western Conference, and yeah. you know, get some veteran guys to put around, even some not not so much veteran guys, even some younger talented players, whatever it may be, uh, to put around Steph and Clay and Draymond Green. Instead, with number seven. They go with a very unproven prospect, a raw prospect, in Jonathan Kuminga, and yeah, then as very as- yeah, very raw offensively and defensively. Just I mean, he's a I mean, honestly, he's a project. And then with number fourteen, they go with Moses Moody, who I think is a good value pick at fourteen because he has a transferable skill, which is a shooting ability, and sure. knowing the Warriors' offense and knowing you know what they do offensively, he can be valuable. But that's gonna be down the line. He's a one and done guy. He went to. Arkansas for one year. And now he's, you know, jumping into a position where he's supposed to be counted on to, to play right away and let help them get back this. to let championship me... contention. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this Do they still have the kid who went to Lalamir, who went to Michigan? Or did he leave in free agency? The shooter. Boy, Jordan
0: Poole. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole. Yeah. He's still there. So, yeah. I mean, those po- like Jordan Poole 2.0. They're
1: almost the same. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, how did you improve your roster? Like you said, because you need to win now. Not that Jordan – not that uh, Moses Moody is a bad pick because he's not, like you said, at 14. But you have him already, Jordan Poole. <laughs> so how did you get better?
0: That's, I mean, they're
1: literally almost the same type of player in my right. opinion. Maybe I'm – you know, they're pretty
0: similar. I think Jordan Poole may have a little bit more size mm-hmm. and length. But, again, they, they yeah. do the same things. Same. And yeah. Kuminga's a project. He said that I think he's going to spend quite a bit of time in the G League. I think Moses Moody's going to spend quite a bit of time in the G League. And so well, then what did you it, get out
1: of 7 and 14? Like Right. Said?
0: And instead of like I don't know, maybe packaging 7 and 14 or packaging 7 in a player and 14 in a player and getting someone who can come in and help right away or packaging Wiseman in a pick and yeah. getting you someone bet, else. yeah.
1: So with the what you drafted with what you drafted you Wiseman better hit this year. I mean, he better have a much improved year. That's yeah. what you're working on.
0: Yeah, because you look at the Lakers. They obviously, we'll talk about free agency next, but the Lakers, as everyone knows, uh, got a little bit better, I think, and yeah. are going to have some time to rest and get rid of those injuries. And you look at, at Phoenix. They bring basically the same team back that went to the NBA Finals. Uh, you look at, you know, in the East, Brooklyn and, and the Bucks. They're obviously – the favorites, and you look at Miami, they got a little bit better, I think. Um, and you look at the Warriors, and did they get better? We don't know what Clay Thompson's going to yeah, be coming no, back. Hoping,
1: hoping, the Warriors fans are hoping they got better.
0: Draymond Green is an offensive liability. Steph totally. Curry is potentially the best offensive player in the game, right? And we yeah. know that. But Dray, Draymond
1: did- Green is not as, as productive when the other guys are not on the floor shooting shots, as right. that proved when they were out. Yeah, Draymond Green is oh, everybody's. Oh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's another argument for another day. But <laughs> uh, you know, he looks good when he has three of the best shooters in NBA history around him.
0: Yeah, the way the way that roster is constructed in the last yeah. two drafts, taking Wiseman two in twenty twenty, yeah. and then taking Kuminga and Moody. That's three guys who need time to develop. Uh, yeah. And does Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, and, and Draymond Green that he core? Yeah. Do they have that time? I don't think so. So that's why they're in my loser portion of this conversation. Sure. They, needed junior, sure yeah. they needed a sure team. Yeah, they needed a sure team. I thought they needed at least somebody who could come in and be a sure offensive threat right away, a proven NBA offensive threat. And that's whether it's packaging, you know, or sending Wiseman straight up and packaging something else or packaging picks and sending that and getting someone right away. Uh, you know, obviously Wiggins is going to be back, but he's still offensive liability. I don't know. I, I just. I don't see the vision that they have. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. Maybe Kuminga is going to be really good. Maybe Moses Moody is going to be really good, but it may be too late with Steph Curry, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson's timelines. We'll see. Uh, my jury is still out, Ronnie. I have a jury still out here. I think Oklahoma city's jury is still out. Uh, they picked Josh Giddy. That was the biggest surprise uh, of the day to me outside of Zaire Williams going 10 to uh, New Orleans, but Josh Giddy jumped to the number six pick, the six nine guard out of Australia. And then they re-signed Shea Gilders Alexander to a you know five year, like $207 million deal. Those guys kind of play the same position and need a ball. They need the ball in their hands to be effective. And I know Giddy can, you know, shoot it a little bit off the ball. Um, but that's gonna be interesting how those two guys are gonna to play together.
1: pick um, yeah. them pretty high. You have a lot of confidence in him.
0: Yeah, and then your loot to, to your loser point um, with the Houston Rockets, I have juries still out on them because like you said, they drafted two shooting guards or wings within the first, you know, 24 picks of the night, Jalen Green at two and Josh Christopher at 24. And then they added Usman Garuba, who, um, is a big man who's, you know, fairly skilled and has played at a high level overseas. So I think he's a guy, you know, nice, solid pick at 23. Yeah, but One
1: pick before Christopher, yeah.
0: They're, they're in even more of a rebuild mode than Orlando would be right now. Yeah. And you're going to start your rebuild with two high-volume shooting guards? <laughs> yeah. Young, high-volume yeah, shooting
1: guards? Very young, uh, less than 20 years old, both of them. And, and one of them, I, let's just say Green is the more talented player for argument's sake. Where does that leave Christopher? You know, you, you – he needs he's gonna develop by playing. Not and Josh. By,
0: yeah. And and, and Josh and Jalen. Yeah. yeah. And Josh and Jalen, they, they you know, I think Jalen can play off the ball a little bit more, but as we've seen from Josh, he likes to have the ball in his hands to create high volume dribble, high volume shooter. Um, and who's getting him the ball? I don't even hang on, <laughs> let me pull the rod. The Rockets roster first. Yeah. I mean, who's
1: getting these guys the ball unless Green's on the ball a lot? You know, it's just like I don't
0: see that how you so John Wall, Kevin Porter Jr. who's uh so they have Kevin Porter Jr., I forgot about that. He's Jalen Green and Josh Christopher, but just needs the ball in his hands even more than yeah. they do.
1: Yeah.
0: So you have three guys at the same position, then you have Kenny Martin Jr., uh Eric Gordon, Daniel House. I mean, dude, I just That's just I don't a know.
1: thrown together roster. This right is now. just
0: yeah, this is just kind of like nothing, throwing our dart. Guy
1: KJ Martin played a, a lot at the end of last year after the he trade. Good, no, he had a he had a good uh, he had he had a lot of uh, productive he had a of games, games. Again, yeah. it's on one of the very poor team, but he got playing time. But again, like you said, it's just thrown together. They're not yeah. going to win that's with called, that mix.
0: That's called closing your eyes and throwing the dart, Ronnie. Closing yeah, your and eyes and throwing the, going the dart win with that mix. You're just no. Playing. Yeah, that's. That that's uh, so. I'm gonna move them from jury still out into my loser category, Ronnie, just based on what what I just looked up with the roster. But again, you know, yeah. Because
1: you forgot about the Kevin Porter,
0: I for yeah, I forgot he was that. on that team. So he's
1: volume and he 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 needs the ball too.
0: He's ball dominant, high volume, and then so Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, both you know that
1: puts teams. a lot on Jalen Green. I mean, honestly, that puts a lot on Jalen Green to hit at the number two pick, like for it to work.
0: Oh yeah um because unless they make some a lot crazy to, get to
1: 35 or 40 wins they need to get a lot better
0: oh yeah no, i don't i don't see anywhere near 35 wins from that roster this season uh or the next season because Jalen green didn't play very many games in the g league yeah. and josh christopher didn't play a whole lot of games at arizona state because he suffered some injuries so they're they're coming in you know off of a, a shortened high school season that they had because of COVID 19 and then a shortened college or like a off kind of off balance college season not really sure how it's going to go in an off balance G League season 13 games or so i think was Jalen Green played with G League Ignite i mean man and that's against you know kind of older nba guys who who are trying to you know get you know get back in the mix that's tough Ronnie. that's that's
1: a lot yeah the rockets better that's a lot for them to make sure to work i mean yeah a lot of things have to go right for that to start working and and take the post 30 35 wins it, really, it. Does. it yeah, really does. It really it
0: does. It's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, let's jump yep. into NBA free agency. Um,
1: yeah, Devin, just uh, start – you've kind of been following yeah. it. Start locally with some of the big – honestly, people want to talk about the Lakers because we're, we're based in, in in the West Coast. But talk about what the Lakers did and then some of the other big moves.
0: So the Lakers obviously made that trade for Russell Westbrook, uh, the losing or high UCLA standout who is now back home uh, for the first time in his – nba career back in la and we know how much russ loves la so uh he's teaming obviously with lebron james and and anthony davis uh the lakers sent kyle kuzma kcp montrez harrell and the 22 overall pick in the 221 draft for westbrook um first of all let's let's talk this deal in general ronnie what what are the what's the fit here what you know, with Westbrook and LeBron and AD is a big three. How do you like that fit? And then I'll give you my thoughts.
1: Well, one thing I do like about it is like similar to what you're saying, what the Golden State Warriors weren't able to do. Like the yeah. Lakers are trying to win right now, right this second, right when training camp starts. Like they're trying to win the title this year. So they get the clock, you know, like the, the internal clock for their players. Um, again, the fit you gave up, uh, you know, you gave up, quite a bit of your young pieces, but they weren't star young pieces. I mean, again, you, you got Kuzma. Everybody was like, Oh, that's a great pick at that draft, but he played like the 27th pick or whatever he was. That's what he was. It didn't, he wasn't moving the needle. He's okay. Wasn't moving the needle though. Um, So the thoughts on the deal is that you just hope that, like you said, the chemistry's there. Then they went and signed some older veterans that have already been on the team had already played with LeBron or already are used to him none of them are really young except I guess Malik Monk you can still consider young so the chemistry just has to be there i i think um they figured that with with what they gave up they're not going to win the championship so hey let's try this we we get a guy who maybe's a proven star um Maybe he's going to fire up LeBron and AD like, hey, let's let's go for it. You know, he's he's uh, carries his heart on his sleeve. I guess that's the the terminology for it. Like he plays real hard every night. And that's a good thing. But I'm just like, where did they get better in terms of what their weakness is? What's his likes? Uh, A playmaker for the other guys and then shooting perimeter shooting. That's my question.
0: Yeah, so I, I think they addressed the playmaker with Russell Westbrook because obviously yeah. he's, a, he's a triple-double threat every single time he takes the court. And sure. a good thing with Westbrook is you know that he's going to give you a triple-double ever, effort every time he takes the court. Sure. But shooting, I mean, LeBron, average shooter. Anthony Davis, he likes to float, but again, average shooter. Russell Westbrook, below-average shooter. Very below average shooter.
1: Yeah, just so recently I, I would thought even a few years ago he was um a pretty decent shooter. And then la his last year or two in Houston, boy, people just left left him wide open on the perimeter.
0: Yeah, they they did the Rondo closeout. Just okay. let you're gonna beat you're gonna beat us by shooting over us. Yeah. Um yeah, and age is, is a concern, obviously. You know, LeBron battled injuries last year. Anthony Davis can't stay off the floor during a game. He's always on the floor and Every time he goes down, I think he's going to be, you know, done, done for the season game. for an injury with an injury because it just that's the way it looks. And sure. you know, you add Carmelo Anthony, who I think is going to be a great spark plug off the bench, a guy who can come in and you know get you ten to fifteen points really quickly and efficiently. I like that signing Dwight Howard again. I, I thought that they missed his presence last season as an energy guy, shot blocker, rebounder, you know, uh, physical inside presence, kind of guy who plays with a little bit of edge. Um, Aries, they, just, you know, they signed Trevor Ariza, the Westchester and UCLA high school uh, standout. Uh, he's older, and obviously he's on his second go-around with the Lakers, and he was a champion with the Lakers back in the 2000s. Um, I like Trevor Ariza. I'm not sure what he has left in the tank. I think he's going to be a, a solid you know, 3 and D guy. Hopefully he can knock down you know, open catch and shoot 3, spread the floor, but he's going to defend, and that's, that's yeah, great. He's going to defend,
1: and I think they like him in terms of just his presence.
0: Yeah, locker room presence, things like that. Locker room Um, presence,
1: he's not going to bitch on the bench. He's going to give you, you know, play a few minutes and and give you what you need.
0: Yeah, so then you look at Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, and Taylor Horton Tucker. Those are more of the quote-unquote, I guess, younger guys that they signed based on the overall age of this roster. Even though, you know, Kent Bazemore and Wayne Ellington have been in the league for a long time. uh they're the younger guys but I forgot we was in the (laughs) league he's on his second stint with the Lakers and the first stint didn't go well he was kind of in that rebuilding mode and the Lakers were kind of in flux there so hopefully with a more defined role as hey stand there catch the pass from LeBron or Westbrook make shots I hopefully hopefully his second stint with the Lakers goes better for him and for the Lakers uh I love the re-signing of THT I'm a big fan of his I think he's a guy uh, off the bench who's going to be, again, a spark plug off the bench, guy who you know can come in and just be a scoring punch type of player. Um, But if you look at this roster, Ronnie, I think maybe I'm not – the math is not not official, but the average age of the roster has got to be like 34 years old. Age is a concern. Shooting is still a concern. Um, What would your starting lineup be on opening night for the Lakers? You do yours, I'll do mine.
1: It have to be Westbrook, yeah. True, um, boy. Who would be? So it have to be one of the. I guess it would have to be one of the Chicago boys, LeBron, AD, and then what are you gonna do with Carmelo Anthony? Oh God, it's just you know. Do you no. plug Dwight Howard in there to give a uh, to give uh, AD a little bit of breathing room? So I guess you go big, a little bigger, and you go, yeah. So white howard a d lebron westbrook and and uh and one of the one of the uh chicago boys
0: okay yeah it's it, I'm looking at the roster right now I'm trying to put
1: it together I'm like, okay, where does so
0: you know obviously the the point guard positions are going to be ball handlers are going to be lebron and Westbrook. And then obviously Anthony Davis is starting and he wants to play the four. That's what he wants to do, even though he'd be you know he's a mismatch nightmare at the five and he's yeah. way more effective at the five. So there's your there's three guys. Yeah. Uh then you, then what? Uh you put Melo in there? No. No. You put you put Trevor Ariza in there? I, no. I don't know. Can't so. No. Uh you gotta you go start, with Dwight. <laughs> you start Dwight or or Marcus? Which one do you start? You want Dwight off the bench for an energy guy or Dwight to be on the court immediately to be that guy. I'm, I'm going to go. Takes some,
1: some take some pressure off of AD. You want Dwight on the court.
0: Okay. So you're going to go Dwight. You don't uh, care if he
1: gets a few fouls, you know, if he, he's he got a sub. So what? Yeah,
0: yeah dude. I'm just Carmelo Anthony <laughs> 37. Trevor Rees is 36. Kent Bazemore is 32. Uh, oh, he's geez. a young buck. This is wild, man. This is some old dudes. Um, yeah, that, that kind of, that. So they're going to look
1: bad on some nights, Devin. They're just not going to have it some nights. They're going to look bad.
0: Yeah, that secondary gonna... guard spot is going to be interesting yeah. because you can't, you can't put another forward in there with LeBron and AD no, and Dwight Howard or Marcus. Gasol. Or
1: shooting. So yeah. Is it going
0: to be Kendrick Nunn? Is it going to be Malik Monk? Yeah. Is it going to be uh, Wayne Ellington? Who knows? I guess the best shooter in training camp is going to be the guy who starts. That's what I imagine. Um, I
1: could see it being Kendrick Nunn just because he's younger, he's energy, he they're gonna sub that position a lot, you know?
0: They are, yeah. I think it's gonna be a lot of a lot of uh early season testing to see how that goes. I mean Kendrick Kendrick Nunn's a good player. I'm pulling up his stats, 14 points a game. Uh wanna see what his three point shooting percentage was. Uh regular season. Thirty eight point one percent from three. Not bad, not bad. So Kendrick Nunn could be an option to, you know, start in the backcourt alongside of Westbrook. Um let's move to the Chicago Bulls, Ronnie. Uh, they signed, you know, former Chino Hill standout and UCLA standout, Lonzo Ball. It's funny. There's three UCLA guys on the move this this summer uh, SoCal UCLA guys, Lonzo, Russell, and Trevor Ariza. Um, yeah. Lonzo Ball, four years, $85 million. Uh Signed and trade for DeMar DeRozan, uh, another Southern California guy from USC. And then they signed Alex Caruso. Does this, does, like, you look at the East, you have Milwaukee, the reigning NBA champions who brought all their guys back basically. Um, And then you look at the Nets who are going to bring all those guys back healthy. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden signed Patty Mills. And they have just a really good roster already. Uh, Did this even move the needle at all for Chicago?
1: Yeah, I think it moved the needle. I I think they have a good roster. They upgraded their roster. When I look at these, Top-level free agency signings. I know we've been following them all week. I know you've been following them a little closer than, than me uh, just because, of, you know, it's necessary and the teams are moving. You're interesting to see what's what's going on with these teams. But when you get Lonzo, DeMar, Alex Caruso, and or just other guys that you're bringing in, my question goes, when it comes to April and May in the East, who improved to where, hey, we have a better chance to slow down Milwaukee or stop the Greek freak. I don't see see it with any of these teams right now i just don't like you see how much confidence milwaukee figured something out whether it was bringing in drew holiday or letting Middleton kind of develop into that second star whatever they figured it out and greek freak is taking his his game to the next level who's stopping the greek freak i I just i mean so chicago improved but you, you right now it's kind of like dbs in the nfl when randy moss came into the nfl Everybody said, Oh my God, we gotta draft big DBs. We like it's kinda like with that's what I see with the Greek freak. You need a four man that is a badass dude that can have energy, smart, can defend. Because you saw what he did to DeAndre Aiden, and you saw what he did to other guys. He just he's just at another level right now.
0: Yeah, and this kind of shows that the Kobe White experiment at point guard is over in Chicago. Um and Lonzo Ball is gonna come in and, and potentially have the ball in his hands a lot more. So you have Lonzo Ball, you have Zach Levine, you have Kobe White, uh, and Demar Derozan. Those are four, uh, guys who are like six five plus, right? Yeah. Then Patrick Williams, similar type of small forward position. Um, I'm looking at the roster now. Who? So Nikola Vucevic, obviously a very productive, you know, NBA caliber player, but is he a guy who leads you to? the finals. Is he a Jokic yeah. kind of guy? Is he a guy who leads you to the Eastern Conference finals? This is a team, Ronnie, that finished thirty one and forty one last season, didn't make wow. the playoffs. So the question here is not does this make them a contender in the Eastern Conference? The the question is is this a move that makes them a playoff team in the Eastern Conference? Maybe? Yeah,
1: I, I think it could. Okay. I think they got better. Um but again they still got a lot of a lot of work to do. I yeah. mean I, I, the team I think a lot of people are forgetting because of the injury is, is Denver. Is Denver the bubble Denver? Or is Denver still a step below like the Lakers and Bucks? Denver was good. I mean, yeah. as long as Jamal Murray was healthy, and like you said, the Joker, that's that, that's a good team.
0: Yeah. And so I mean, Nobody's
1: really talking about him because, you know, obviously they didn't make big moves. But it, it, it's like getting Jamal Murray back healthy is like number one priority.
0: The the one move I loved from the Bulls was signing Alex Caruso away from the Lakers. I, I was just a big fan of what he did for the Lakers off the bench or, oh, a he or whatever. Sure. Yeah, he's a really just just a solid player, smart player. I thought him and LeBron really worked well together. Uh, they were kind of on the same page for for a lot of the time that they played together. So, uh, best of luck to Alex Caruso with the Bulls. But I, I just think that uh, the Lakers will you know be going further in the playoffs than Chicago. Uh, let's go to another bubble team that was good and then kind of had a little bit of a falling off during the regular season. The Miami Heat made some big moves, uh, sign and trade for Kyle Lowry, sending Goran Dragic to the Raptors, extensions for Duncan Robinson and Jimmy Butler. They signed PJ Tucker and Victor Oladipo, who they acquired from Houston in a trade last season, uh, will be returning and. He's going to be hopefully healthy and when Oladipo's healthy he's a really really good two-way player. Yeah. Does this good. does this put Miami back in that, you know, championship stratosphere? That's the question.
1: I think it helps them to you know contend with the Bucks and I think it shows back to what we said earlier, you know, the shooting shooting. If you Duncan Robinson can get paid that much. Oh yeah. A pretty big contract. Boy, that goes back to your Orlando and Toronto thing <laughs> with Scotty Barnes that better work out. So yeah, I, I, to your point, I think it helps them. You know, they Jimmy Butler is secure. He's a, an aging, an aging star, but they got enough pieces to put together a run if they can stay healthy. Butler have a good season, and and they get you know Kyle Lowry playing in that mode that he did when when Toronto was making their runs. You know, right. That that's a pretty good nucleus um again do does do these teams anybody besides i guess the nets or or the sixers if they stay together have any anything to slow down the greek freak that that still goes back to the question i have
0: for sure and that's the only question that needs to be answered right now because
1: all these other moves are nice they're they, they sound good when they're tweeted but you know Come May, does it make a difference? That's so, my question. Right,
0: yeah. and so they signed PJ Tucker away from uh, Milwaukee, and yeah. is he going to stop Giannis? Is he going to be tasked to be the guy guarding Giannis in the, the second, second round
1: or, or the conference finals? Yeah. They got.
0: I mean, the Bucks swept Miami in the first round this past season in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. did yeah. they? Did did Miami get that much better with Lowry, and then bringing back Jimmy and Duncan Robinson, and signing PJ Tucker? Uh, if all the healthy, you know, maybe, but they, they still didn't address the one thing that you need to address in the Eastern Conference is how do you stop Giannis and then yeah. how do you stop Kevin Durant, James Harden and and Kyrie Irving on the same team. It just I just yeah a lot of people are like, Oh NBA free agency is so fun, it's so cool, like all these big moves. It's not because the best teams didn't make any moves because they didn't need to.
1: Yeah, they didn't need to make huge moves and Again, you got the Lakers who are a little bit of a question mark. They didn't really finish the season strong like they did in the bubble. Obviously, they're aging, injuries. Uh, Yeah, injuries. Phoenix is just kind of status quo. It seems like they signed Chris Paul a huge deal, which is very interesting. Maybe it's kind of like a Larry Bird, James Worthy type of thing. Like you know, at the end of his career, he's going to get a lot of money, which is fine. But he's an aging veteran and. And uh he, need, you know, they need to get better. Just in yeah. little spots, they need to get better. You know, whether they need, uh, you know, a little bit better backup play, maybe. Obviously, they need an athletic player to help Aiton guard. If they can get back to the finals, you know? yeah.
0: So I think they, I think they signed JaVale McGee, uh, which is just you know kind of whatever. And then Chris Paul's back. Obviously, they re-signed Cameron Payne. To back up Chris Paul, which is a good signing, good player, but did they address you know being better than the Lakers fully healthy? Did they address being better than Denver fully healthy? Yeah, I don't think so. Did they, did they address being better than Utah when Utah's fully healthy? Uh, yeah. I don't there think so. They were good
1: teams that weren't healthy.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think you know it, Phoenix will be one of the top teams in the league again next season, um, and I think they'll make up you know, decent playoff run. Um will they make it back to the NBA finals? I don't know, it depends on, you know, what happens with health and all those things.
1: Well, not just that. I think the the presence of Chris Paul and the bringing the like, hey, we brought Chris Paul here to to make us a viable contender. They're not going to be catching teams off guard no more. Right. People are like, "No, Phoenix is a good contender." They're going to get everybody's good shot every night going into the playoffs. So, they're not they're not going to that surprise factor of oh look at what Chris Paul did for Phoenix ain't gonna be there again.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That spark plug thing is not gonna be there because everyone knows what's coming. Uh, yeah. The last, the last thing I want to touch on free agency, Ronnie, is what the fuck are the Pistons doing? I mean, <laughs> you, you, you take, you make the obvious pick at number one with taking Kate Cunningham, but then you fucking surround him with Kelly Olynyk, Corey Joseph, Saban Lee, and and Trey Lyles. Like, come on. So, what are we doing? Yeah. That you sounds have- like
1: a nice developmental team. I mean, those yeah. guys, nothing against those guys, but they've been mm-hmm. around. They've been, you know, in the NBA a little bit. Maybe they've gotten some uh G League time. You know, it's like they're, there's a lot of fringe players. That It goes back to the draft, Devin. Like we're saying, now, I'm looking, studying this draft, looking at the names, looking who they added. And like we said, compared to the top teams these guys are very average. They're they're not going to come in and make this huge splash and turn these teams around. Maybe Cunningham, Green, Mobley, maybe Suggs. But after that, it it really was just a draft. It's just a draft.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the overall theme that you and I both came to conclusion on was like everyone's like, oh, this is the best draft since two thousand three yeah, right. with LeBron and yeah, yeah. D Wade yeah. and Carmelo. Those are those are three high level Hall of Famers, and I I don't yeah. see three high level Hall of Famers in this draft, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah, I see three good players. He's, yeah, or four good players potentially with with Cade, with Jalen, um, with Evan Mobley, and then Jalen Suggs. I I don't. I mean, there could be somebody who you know comes out of nowhere and there will be. Probably one well, will
1: be. There probably will be.
0: Yeah, maybe like a Josh or Zaire Williams or somebody that was maybe not as highly thought of as these, you know, top three, four guys will come and be a really good player. That, that happens a lot. But to compare that draft to 2003 or even like '96 or even you know Kevin Garnett draft or any of these drafts, not even close. Not even close. Um, it was a little overstated. Now yeah. that
1: we're getting into it, and you see where teams. Where players landed, the free agency. It's still it's nice, but it's still Lakers, Bucks, Nets, maybe Miami and, and and Philly, if they figure out their chemistry.
0: Yeah, that's that's one thing I wanna I didn't have this on the list, but that's a good point to bring up. Phillies they they were all hell bent on on trading Ben Simmons and yeah. kind of blowing that Simmons and Bede partnership up and they didn't. So they're sitting on Ben Simmons, who Obviously, is a productive, you know, all NBA NBA, yeah. NBA All-Star caliber player, but he has one major deficiency that's really holding them back from being an NBA championship contender. Every year, we're like, "Yeah, Philly's going to be, you know, deep in the playoffs or a championship contender," and then we get to the playoffs, and Ben Simmons is throwing free throws off the fucking backboard, yeah. Yeah. and it's just like it's not going to work. So. I think yeah. they're in my loser category. If we had a loser category for NBA free agency, they're in my loser category. Yeah, because you had to move them.
1: Yeah, you didn't get to move them. So now, what are you sitting on? Because I, I think uh, Kevin Boyle made a good point. Uh, the coach at Montverde, somebody was asking him about Ben Simmons. Obviously, he's his former player, and with Cade Cunningham going number one, he now has three number one picks that he coached in the high school ranks: Ben, uh, Kyrie, and and Cade. And obviously, Coach Kyrie at St. Pat's, not at Montverde, and and they're going, hey, you know, he shot seventy-some percent from the line in in high school, so like he can turn it around, but just something's not working there because de- he was like historically bad in the playoffs, right? He was like in the forty percent maybe even <laughs> like his free throw percentage just went way down. So yeah, one thing's not right. So th- how are they going to make it right if they didn't trade him? How's he going to How are they going to make that ship right? It's just very odd. Yeah, very, very uh, interesting point there because his production just went down tremendously compared to maybe where the value was during the regular season or last year. And meaning two twenty, like you can't build around a team that a guy is shooting thirty eight percent from the free throw line. Like it's not gonna
0: work. (laughs) Give him some credit overall for his career. He's a fifty nine point seven percent free throw shooter. Give him a little bit of credit. He's uh, what is he a sub? almost like a, basically a 30% three point shooter. Yeah. Uh and he just man, I mean all you know, his his like you said his stock went down in the playoffs because the the issue was so glaring on that stage. Yeah. And then they still in trade conversations, they still wanted like a ton of pieces and picks and high yeah, yeah. level players for him. So the asking price was steep while his stock was down. Uh no one was going to make that bad of an investment. No, and, and no, and one no one, no one did. No one put the trigger. And here and we are he with the same, basically the same team: Tobias Harris, um, um, Joel Embiid, obviously, uh, Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey. To- I said Tobias Harris already. Uh, yeah. Mike Scott, George Hill, uh, Danny Green. It's just like it's the same exact team. And Doc you're Rivers be- has his
1: work ones. cut out for him. Yeah, but you're now, not right. going to
0: beat the Bucks. You're not going to beat the Bucks. You're not going to beat. The Nets. You're probably not going to beat Miami with yeah. their additions. So where are you? You still have Ben Simmons, a guy who you've told basically we don't want you or we need to move you because you're not good enough to you know help us reach a finals. And you're sitting there, you know, mm-hmm. with what the same team. Um. So yeah, yeah. The, the, that's, the a, that's, that's of, an
1: odd situation because yeah, you, you, as we know, like historically, when a star player either requests a trade or they know that the franchise wants to move them, that just creates an awkward situation. I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, the most famous one I could think of is Adrian Dantley on those Pistons teams. The Pistons were trying to get over the hump against, uh, obviously, against the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls. And they were slumping really bad when, when they were thinking about trading Adrian Dantley. And then they trade Adrian Dantley and they go on a 19-game winning streak with Mark McGuire. Like, that's kind of like what... Billy was hoping would happen with Ben Simmons, but like nothing happened. Yeah, so,
0: you, you know where you Ben Simmons—they I mean? need a
1: shot in the arm. They need—they need a Pfizer shot in the arm. Like they just need a big shot in the arm. You yeah, know? you know where you change. know where Ben.
0: You know where Ben Simmons would have been great. Ben Simmons would have been great with the Warriors because they got oh, so much shooting that he yeah. wouldn't have to worry about it. He could do his yeah. thing as a rebounder, passer, facilitator, and he would have been yeah, great. He would have
1: got fit in on a lot of teams. He's a talented player. Hopefully it turns around. Uh, mentioning him, I, I wanted to mention that uh, those those uh, picks for Montverde. We talked yeah. about them having, uh, you know, three number one picks for Kevin Boyle. Devin, he had seven former players drafted. I mean, we we we've talked about this before. Cade Cunningham, and it's not like he just had seven fringe players drafted. Like oh, a couple second rounders late. Like he had the number one pick, Cade. Went to Montverde in 220. Scotty Barnes at number yep. four. Moses Moody at 14, we talked about ago. Say, Dayron Sharp went in the first round out of North Carolina. The Phoenix Suns traded him. Number 20. So that's four number one picks from that 220 team, who we've mentioned on many pods. Go back and, and, and check out our former uh, episodes. You can ran out a lot of information about that. Then they picked up uh, at 50, Philip per- per- Protrusive, I don't want to say that wrong, but he went to oh, Gonzaga and he to Serbia was last year.
0: You're going to you're yeah. gonna mess up on the last one, though. I know you're going to oh, mess yeah. up on the one.
1: The Philadelphia 76ers, that's the fifth guy. Sandro, I just call him Sandro because the guys at my <laughs> just call him Sandro. I'm not even going to yeah. try to say his last name, but he was at Seton Hall. He went 54, and then Balsa P- Copa Rica, who I've said. <laughs>
0: <in five laughs> that was actually years. pretty good. That was actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, because he played, Balsa played with that R.J. Barrett team, so I got yeah. to know his name a lot. He was on Uh, TV a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he was on TV a lot. He, you know, played on on a lot of teams I saw. So he went 57. So that's just nuts. I mean, you think about some of the colleges out there. You know, they have two or three, four guys drafted. I know Kentucky had six one year. Two, I think twice Kentucky had six guys go, including the Devin Booker year, maybe. Mm -hmm. But to have seven guys go in one draft and four from the same team, it's like, boy, that's it's it's just you it's like so out of bounds, you can't even it's not normal for a high school level program. Whether you consider them a high school or not, it's not really the point. It's just they came from that high school level and very quickly ascended to the NBA.
0: Is that the most in one draft from any single team ever? Yeah, that's the most from one draft in any single team
1: ever. Obviously, the we talked about that famous Dunbar team that had three in, in one in one in one draft. Obviously, there's a few others. There's many teams that have had three players playing the nba even a few that had four but they're not necessarily in the same draft
0: okay right but same draft seven players from the same high school basically and Uh, then
1: four from the same team on the which was only a year ago right basically one calendar year ago it's just pretty nuts so that's very interesting when you talk about sometimes you have to look at teams down the line and be like you know what that was a great team look at they had two or three pros I think the one that stands out to me is because we talked about him recently is Kendrick Nunn. He played with Jabari Parker and they had a third pro on that team. So it was like, obviously Jabari had all the national hype and accolades. He was the number one player in the country with that. It was either him or Andrew Riggins, but like Kendrick Nunn is like carved out a really good career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: so sometimes it works that way. You look at it later, like, Oh, look at that team, what they had, but, with that Monverde team and with those four great teams we broke down on a previous pod and the in the paint show, like, I know all those coaches, the coaches we talked to knew that they had a great team right then and there. Yeah. Like, that's what I think separates a really, really good team from, like, a great team is, like, the players know, the fans know, and the coaching staffs know, like, wow, this team is special. Like, you know right away, like, Chino Hills knew they had a special unit. That Oak Hill team with Jerry Stackhouse, McGinnis, it was, and then obviously that Dunbar team, they knew they were, they had a something special going on. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's shoot, shout out to those great teams and, and all the great teams. Nice. Like you can go look on ballslife.com. There's a story about all the teams with three or more pros on a high school. And it's a lot more than you would think, Devin. I mean, when you count the prep schools, it's 46, now 47. Like, wow. once these guys play, that's a lot. Like, at first I didn't think, like, ah, oh, it's not that, there's not that many. That's, that's. Quite a bit, you know.
0: Oh, well, um, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, you, I thought it was in the teens or the 20s, to tell you the truth. I was like, yeah, it's probably. In the, then when I started doing looking at it, I mean, 46 is quite a lot. And some of them are public schools, not all Montverde and Oak Hill. Like, there's there's plenty of public schools and, and plenty of old, old, old schools, you know, like regular,
0: regular, regular high stuff. schools, right? Regular, yeah, regular, regular high, school. high schools.
1: Yeah, Saint Bernard's had one in 1982. I'm just going down some that are very interesting. Saint Anthony's had a few. This will be a funny one that Murrah High School in Jackson, Mississippi, had Lindsey Hunter, Ryan Lothridge, and James Hollywood Robinson. Just three guards that you don't, you know, it's like, wow, you know, played on the same high school team. They weren't all in the same grade. Um, A great team that a lot of people know about. Uh, Detroit Southwestern in 1989, they had Howard Isley, who was a good player for the Jazz, Jalen Rose, and Bashan Leonard. Obviously, Jalen Rose was kind of the star of the team,
0: man. But uh, Howard yeah, Isley. Yeah,
1: throwing, throwing some different ones out there the three amigos everybody knew about in the Chicago area, uh, Proviso East in 1990, that Donnie Boyce, Sherelle Ford, and Michael Finley. Obviously, Michael Finley became the star, yeah. but again, nobody knew then oh, those guys are all going to be in the NBA. Whereas if you look at that Montverde team, it's like, those guys are going to probably be in the NBA pretty fast. For sure. You know, So it's just an amazing accomplishment. And obviously, we're happy for all those guys. Moses, Moody, De'Ron, Sharp. I mean, them transferring there worked out. I mean, yeah, you can't say it didn't work out for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Last thing, Ronnie. Good stuff there. Obviously, on the historical part of all this. And make sure you guys go to BallsLife.com. Check out Ronnie's story. You can see all those names and check out the profiles of those guys and, uh, just kind of go on a little history lesson with the, uh, the local encyclopedia himself, Ronnie Flores. But last thing, Ronnie, before we wrap this up, we have an event. Ball's life has an event in orange County, California at the great park in Irvine. I'm sure you guys have seen all the videos If you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, all the videos of the park open runs with our East coast squad and our West coast squad made up of guys, uh, you know, I guess influencers or street ballers or, you know, pickup players, whatever you want to say, former college guys to play uh, on those teams. You know, they get into shit talking matches. Sometimes they almost fight people. uh, It's entertaining videos. We're having an East Coast squad versus West Coast squad pickup game at the Great Park in Irvine, California on August 19th. The event will start at five o'clock with a meet and greet followed by a dunk contest. And then 6.45 p.m. is going to be the East versus West Showcase. You guys can go on eventbrite.com, eventbrite.com, type in 2021 Ball is Life East versus West Street Ball Showcase and register for your ticket. Uh, it's also going to put you in, in into a, a drawing for some Ball is Life gear. Uh, but it's going to be a fun event, Ronnie. Yeah,
1: and it's free. So go yeah, register. It's free. It's, free. it's, free. Yep. it's just, just go get your ticket on eventbrite.com. And yep. like I said, it, it, it's just come out and hang out with a lot of the Ball's Life crew and a lot of uh, our team. Uh, it's be fun. Maybe you could, you know, just enjoy the festivities, watch a little ball. It's very interesting. Some people mention the, the street ball aspect of what Ball's Life's doing, and it's kind of grown in the last calendar year, maybe through the pandemic. And Devin, I, I just think at first it's like, okay, that's pretty interesting. That's fun. It's funny. It's It's entertaining. But – I think people, yeah, they like following the NBA, college. I think people just like basketball. I mean, yeah. the bottom line, they want a basketball fix. They'd rather watch a live basketball than any, anything else. Yeah, people, You can't replace it with you know, some of these goofy Olympic sports or some of these goofy talk shows that are on all day on TV. Like, people would rather just see freaking ball.
0: Yeah, and all those videos, man, I watch them because they're fun to watch. Like, it kind of yeah. – takes me back to when i used to go play you know in parks or whatever and with against random dudes play outside and you know you know get into some battles some shit talking matches things like that so again august 19th uh it'll begin at five o'clock the event will begin at five o'clock it's free go to eventbrite.com type in the 221 ball is life east versus west showcase to reserve your free ticket and be entered into the drawing hopefully we see you guys there But Ronnie, I think that's going to do it for us. We appreciate everyone tuning in to The End of Pain Show. Um, And while you're here, while you're listening, while you're clicking on our podcast to listen, make sure you check out Let's Get Technical with Rasheed Wallace and Bonzi Wells. Make sure you check out uh, Buckets and Breakdowns with Thomas Scott. Make sure you check out our show On The Rise where we break down the next great generation of prospects uh, in an individual style basis. But until the next episode of the In The Paint Show, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.